This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Uh, so yeah, so, so we're going to talk today about, about danger, actually. And, and it's, it's interesting, you know, we, we meet as a group of volunteers before and, and we talk. And I was talking to my dear friend, Marianne, and she said, you know, Chuck, I... After I gave her the little spieley dealy for the service, she said, Chuck, you know what? I never thought of danger and divinity as going together, which is true. It does. Usually most people put divinity and boring together. Those are the words they think or judgmental or whatever. But, but today, what I'm hoping to do is to put it together in a different way. I think a way that Christ would have us hold it, which is where danger actually goes together with our concept of God and goes together quite well. So that's what I'm hoping to do today. We'll see how it goes. So I want to start out with a, with, a Bible, with a passage from the Bible here, and I want to give you a little context before I read it. And this is Paul, and, and Paul is one of the, the original sort of um, evangelizers of the church. And he's gone to a city, and it's a pretty rough city, Corinth, pretty rough things happening there. And he's got a, a group. Now, Paul himself is Jewish. He's got a group made up of Jewish folks and Greek folks. And, and he, he, he offers them this statement. And it's kind of a paradox when you first hear it. But then we're going to slowly pull it apart. You get to see that it actually gives us some insights into how to live an appropriate kind of danger. So let's take a look at this. This is from, from 1 Corinthians. Jews demand miraculous signs. Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks slash Gentiles, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Now, I want to look at this line again, because I want you to see where you lie in that. So he's got these, all these different people and, you know, he's Jewish and he's, he's talking about sort of what people are looking for. And I, I think you don't look at that as terms of, terms of ethnic identities, but just look at that as parts of us. You know, there's a part of us that always wants to see, can we say the M word there? There's a part of us that always wants to see the, always want to see the miraculous. And there's this other part that wants everything to make sense. And here he goes, but wait, actually what we preach, he sort of flips it here. What we preach is Christ crucified, very different. And he says, look, that's a stumbling block to a lot of folks. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That it's, it's sort of a call there. When we start to understand that, it's actually a, a call to the power of God, which is interesting, right? Power of God, crucifixion. Like how, does that, how do those two go together? And there, for those of you who aren't familiar with, with, with Christianity, Christ crucified is talking about when Jesus was cross of, uh, crucified by the Romans in about 30 AD. How do those things go together? Well, I think if we were to put it in our language today, it would start out like this. We would say two things. First off, show me a, show me a miracle. And secondly, show me it all makes complete sense. That's what we want. And are you ready for the funny one? This is how you folks would know it because it's a movie line, right? What we're really saying is this. Who, who knew that? <laughs> there were a bunch of people down here going like, show me the money, baby. <laughs> God has a special hell for people like you. <laughs> show me the money. What, how am I supposed to preach if you keep doing that? So, so it's, it's interesting, right? Because you, you look at that and you look, 
wow, what, is, what does that really mean? And, and why does God sort of, why is God kind of using Paul's a vessel to sort of say this? Well, I'm going to ask them to backtrack a couple of slides here. One more. Now, first, the show me a miracle there. Next one. So just imagine, folks, in relationship. Like, God wants to be in relationship with you. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. It's, it's why Christ came to earth. New church believes like, like the divine human so we could really see what God with skin on looks like, acts like, talks like, so we could follow that. Now just imagine you want to be in a relationship with somebody. You know, you've got a lonely heart. You're looking for Miss Right, for Mr. Right, for, for the right person to be in relationship with. And the first thing they ask you is, hey, I'll be in a relationship with you. First, you got to show me a... Then you have to show me that it all makes complete. In other words, you have to make complete sense to me and you have to show me something spectacular. And then, I'm going to beat you to punch, show me the money. And then you say to that person you're trying to have a relationship, oh, show me the money. Would you want to be in a relationship with that person? No. No. You're made in God's image and likeness. God's image and likeness, the very core of your soul yearns for this. It yearns for unconditional love. It yearns not only to receive it, it yearns as well to give it. And the outside of our lives, the sort of the noise part, gets constantly caught up in a lot of things that are very conditional. But that's not where this journey is heading. And I think that's what Paul is talking about. He's given us a very different perspective. So let's take a look at the next slide here. Your thoughts, and this is going to be a question for you, your thoughts on this quote. Sometimes dangerous is good when fully understood and rightfully lived. I'm going to say it one more time. Your thoughts on sometimes dangerous is good when fully understood and rightfully lived. So I want you to just, and again, like usually I ask real simple questions like when you jump out of a plane. This one actually like, it, it takes some sort of, you got to put your brain around it here. Here, here we've got Paul saying like, well... People crave a miracle and they pray, pray for God. God like, God, like, I'll believe in you when you show me the absolute miracle. And then the second part, I'll believe in you when all of a sudden the whole world makes sense. Now, if you're waiting for those two things to happen, to believe in God or to follow God, you're going to be waiting a long time. But that's what we do. That's what I do all the time. I mean, how many of us have a secret lottery prayer, Right? Right? You know, we'll give, I mean, the number of people, no offense, nobody take offense, right? The number of people told me, he said, Chuck, as soon as I win the lottery, New Church Live's in the, in the black. <laughs> right? And I hope so. But you see, it, it just, it just is, and there's somehow, like, and I don't have great words for it, but this is a very bright audience. There's somehow that we have this piece, and then we have, have this kind of this need to live dangerously. As she said, sometimes dangerous is good when fully understood and rightfully lived. So there's this danger component here, too. There's this sort of not to do list, and then to do is this, is this danger part, and somehow that's connected with Christ crucified, right? For those disciples, they were living a very dangerous life because of that event. The Romans had killed Jesus, they were followers of Jesus. Simple, simple, simple line of reasoning. We're next. Because the dude was talking about unconditional love. There's few things more threatening in the world. Believe it or not. 
So what I'd like you to do is to take 60 seconds, turn this question over. Don't worry about right answers or wrong answers. Maybe you're just like, I don't get that at all. That's fine. Just enjoy the quote. <laughs> and if you want to, if you have some thoughts, you know, for our online audience, feel free to text them in. Like, what are your thoughts about this quote? Please take 60 seconds and enjoy. Go. I need to be honest, when, when I gave that question, I thought like, oh boy, I hope, I hope people get it, and, and, uh, cause it's a hard question, but <laughs> you guys really got it. <laughs> These answers are so good, you know what, actually what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a look at them as we go over the, uh, as we go into our second song. So, you know, folks, this is, this is big, actually. This is really big. And, you know, I, I had an experience at, at the Bernathan College. I was invited over to, to guest lecture there on Friday, and, and I'm lecturing students, and I'm, and I'm talking about, um, you know, on Wednesday, Mary Haney and I went down with Angels in Motion down to, to serve some of the addicted population, homeless population down in Kensington. And I'm talking to these students. One of them is, is a hockey player. He looks like a hockey player. Like, he looks like he's somebody who could kill someone with, with a spoon, you know? And, uh, and, you know, and, and he looks at me, and this is a tough kid. Like, he's got more muscles in his arms than I have my entire body. And, and he says, you know, you know, Chuck, I, I would never go to Kensington. I'm afraid, and I know I'd go there, and I'd get shot. I'm thinking, like, hmm, this guy skates around in an enclosed space where 200-pound people are trying to kill him where they punch each other every five or 10 minutes, where they're shooting a hard rubber thing at each other constantly. And he's worried about my safety. You see, like he sees the way I live life and he goes, dude, that's dangerous. And I look at his life and I think, dude, that's dangerous. So, so we need to ask our, ourselves, like, which one are we really going to choose? Because we can, we can do a lot of dangerous things kind of as an adrenaline rush, but, but what's the dangerous that God's really asking you? And you folks had beautiful answers out there. Take a look at the next, the next slide here, because I think it, 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 it gets to the heart of it. As the band comes out, like, really think about this. Here Paul is, and he's saying, well, actually, what we preach, what we preach is Christ, say it folks, is Christ crucified. What we preach is Christ crucified. It's an interesting perspective on danger there. It's something where I believe we're supposed to ask that question, you know, again and again, what does, what does Christ crucified actually look like? What does that mean? How does it connect with these two different types of danger? And how do we embrace that danger? Like, how do we sort of put some of these, these different pieces together? So we come back. That's what I want to talk about. What does it actually look like when we live into that piece of Christ crucified? And what's the connection that we have with danger when we do that? So, you know, the, the, the replies you folks made were, were just, you know, they're phenomenal. And I, there's way too many to read uh, because it, it's a good sign because our online audience is growing a great deal. But these are, these are just some of them. These are beautiful. Like, listen to this. Listen to your own words. And I'm only going to be able to read a couple here, but they are beautiful. Risk versus reward. Stepping out of our comfort zone. Serving in, uh, in underprivileged neighborhoods is not dangerous because that's where God calls us to be. I love this one. Listen to this one. B, 
being brave enough to stand up for my beliefs in my own way without concern for how others judge me. This is a beautiful one too. Listen to this, stinking good. The danger is opening myself up to the miracle of other people. Boy, that's beautiful. Maybe, and this, is, this one makes me smile because I get this. Maybe people just see others as dangerous because they're scared of their little lies being revealed. Everyone makes little lies and everyone knows that, knows that one fact checker friend. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, you can see, folks, in those, um, you know, just, just what, what, what danger can actually be? Like, how can actually be this very enlivening thing? And, and I think that, that the danger we're asked to embrace is actually one that, 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 as part of this faith, will actually give color, give color and depth and richness to our lives in ways, in ways that we really need to see it. And it, this connects right in with the new church idea of the, of the divine human, that the divine and the human, like humanity and divinity, that's what God's all about, that incarnational bit. So what I want to do is I want to share with you what does it mean. I want to share with you these points so we can take a look. And there's five of them here I want to talk about. And, and again, I would take a, if you have your phone out, I'd take a picture of these and, you know, just, just think about them, right? I think there's a lot of great stuff in here. You know, I've pulled from a bunch of different places. What does it actually mean to preach Christ crucified? Well, first, it means offering a poignant God with us narrative, not a quick cure. Not a quick cure. It's, it's a narrative. It's a story. And, and see if you folks, you folks are bright, you'll grasp this right away. We tend to think of life as a snapshot, not as a movie. You know, we just got like this little piece and that's it. And oftentimes with faith, people sort of come into it and they think like, great, this is a cure. It'll answer all my, all my problems will be gone. And I have to say, Sorry. Christ crucified, it looks pretty bad sometimes. It's a narrative. It's a God with us narrative, a story. All good stories have heroes, villains, good days, bad days, sunny days. They have it all. That's what makes a story rich. That's the narrative we're invited into. The second, gifting of deep purpose, not always success. Now, it's, 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 with not only success, you can be, I mean, I know lots of people who live lives of incredible faith who've been incredibly successful. It's not saying that you won't be successful. It's just saying, well, you might be. And the bigger question is making sure you're having deep purpose in your life so that that stuff isn't, you know, whether you're successful or not, all, that isn't the most significant thing you're thinking about every day. Number three, making a difference not necessarily fitting in. Can I make a difference or can I be all consumed about fitting in? I, I loved again what that one person said, you know, can I, can I stand for what I believe and sort of let go of the judgment of other people? And if we're all consumed with whether we fit in, it's gonna be hard to make a difference in the world because no matter what you do, people are gonna say that won't work or that's silly, or actually you're enabling, or this, that, or the other thing. All the things we do that, that kind of actually squash us back into this not fitting in box. The next one. Choosing what is right over what is easy. There's not a lot of ease necessarily with the spiritual path. 
And I think actually we, we do a little injustice to it when we make it sound easy. The reality, it's not. But not being easy, to go back to what we were talking about, gives it purpose. Gives it that sense of narrative. And this was one, and ah, this was the one like I love, I, I just, I want to get it across. I don't know whether I'm going to be able to or not. I, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a gravity that with love draws the blessed and the broken together. So imagine this, folks. I, I think the, the most spiritual people I've known in my life, the people who I think like, wow, they, they really have something. They sort of created a, a planet of sorts, and that planet has a gravity. And in having that gravity, that gravity can draw in both when my life is going really well. Like, they're willing to celebrate with me. You know, they're not one of those people who's like, yeah, you just wait till tomorrow, buddy. You know, sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's, it's like there's, there's, that, there's, there's that gravity. It's like they've created a gravity where the good stuff can come in. And at the same time, the bad stuff can come in. You know, I can have a really hard day. And they say, I get it. Does that make sense what I'm saying, folks? You know, I, I, I hope we can be that. I, how many of us know somebody who, who's really good at that? Right? You know, somebody who you can bring, the, the, you can bring that celebration and you can bring desperation. Sometimes on the same day. I think that's the Christ crucified bit. Because we need to remember that, that Christ was crucified, but in the Christian mythology, in the, in the Christian history, in, in, the, in, the, in the central pivot moment of Christianity, Christ was crucified, but Christ was also resurrected. Resurrection. I think that's what so many of us are looking for. And, and it's that, that new church concept of resurrection of our souls here and now. Like, like that birth of a new life within the life we are currently living. See, that's incredibly good news. Hence gospel. But, but you have to have that gravity there that can invite in the good stuff and invite in the bad stuff because that's what life is. I don't really like talking to people who have to, everything has to be chipper and anytime someone goes negative, they don't even have the conversation. And vice versa, I, I, it's hard to be around people who where everything is the opposite of that. I think our souls yearn to be around those and in communities where there really is balance. You know, I remember a, it's a small group that I, you know, that, that I'm in and, and watching us go around and there's, there's somebody who just was having a great day and they're laughing and they're smiling and the very next person was in tears. And I thought, this is a good group. This is good. Rob and Bob created a safe space where people can bring both of those and it's okay. There's great grace in that when we do that. Now, folks, we, we think about these things. We think about Christ crucified. I, I want to be very poignant about it. I want to sort of drive into that so we can, we can get that, look, this is not just esoteric stuff. This is where we really need to like, be able to look at it and really be able to pour our lives into it and get, 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 get at a soul level what this can look like. So my basic operating assumptions, we can see Christ crucified almost on a daily basis. Now, obviously, for obvious reasons, because we have a lot of kids here in the audience, I'm not going to show you the picture, but how many of us in here saw that picture of that Syrian child on the beach? Right, the toddler? 
was, was that a picture of Christ crucified? Yes or no? Yeah. Yep, that was Christ crucified. Religion does a disservice when they say something like Christ crucified and they're talking about event 2,000 years ago and they just shove it onto that and just say, no, that's really all that matters. No, this is what matters. This is the model. This is where we can find inspiration, reality, where we can engage the world. We can look at how Christ did things and we can go, yes, this is the way to walk so that we're in God's image and likeness. And the way we walk will be directly connected to can we look at that? Can we see that? Can we lean in towards that? Because Donald Trump gets a lot more hits than that does. So we're constantly being pulled away, but I don't think that's what Christianity is asking us to do. I think Christianity is actually asking us to look there, be there, be part of that. I shared this a couple weeks ago, but it was poignant. It was poignant. And I think for me, it speaks why new church works for me. may not work for you, but it's why it works for me. Was this dad who, who took his son to see Auschwitz, a teenage son, and, and they're sitting there in the midst of Auschwitz. Again, I shared this a couple weeks ago, but I know we have a fair number of first-time people here today. And, and he said, look, son, whatever view of God you have has to work here. I think what he's asking is, son, can you see Christ crucified? That's a faith for me that I think works. That's a faith beyond rainbows and unicorns. What I want to share with you now is a video. I want, to, I want you to hear some of Brene Brown. Brene Brown is a phenomenal author. I, you know, Google her, take a look at her TED Talk. She does a lot on vulnerability on sh and shame. I quote her a lot because she just has a lot to say. This is a wonderful video where she talks about this concept and talks about the kind of love that Christ crucified gives us. So take a look here at what Brene Brown has to share. Jesus makes complete sense to me. Why? <laughs> because this is my whole thing. I believe God is love. It's that simple and that complicated. And so if you tried to express love to human beings and just came down and said, I am love, love each other. We automatically, because we're so afraid of hard things, we would automatically go to like unicorns and rainbows. And so you would have to send someone to show what love in the flesh looks like. You would have to send what does love look like. And so otherwise we would romanticize it. We would turn it, we would we would make it easy because that's who we are as people. We're going to make it easy. And so then Jesus comes and says, okay, I, I am love. I sit with the people you're not allowed to talk to. I do all the hard things. I make all the hard choices. I love the people that are unlovable. 
I feed the people who are not supposed to be taken care of. Um, I don't tolerate shame. I don't tolerate attacks. Like I am love and it's hard and messy and dirty. And if you really love, I mean fierce, big love, you'll become dangerous to people. And so there's no way that most of us could have understood what love was without seeing what love looked like. So to me, it makes perfect sense. And so God is love and Jesus is what love looks like made flesh. And it's hard and it's not the default and it has nothing to do with rainbows and unicorns and fluffy stuffed animals. It's about choosing what's right over what's easy. And we don't want love to be that. What she offers there is beautiful. Like, she said, look, we have a choice between unicorns and rainbows or a fierce, big, dangerous love. That's big. I'm going to give you a little foreshadowing of a sermon I'm going to do eventually. Not, not quite yet. Somebody who said, you know, the biggest danger religion faces is not atheism, but sentimentality, which gets into unicorns and rainbows. It's a pretty important concept, I think. Because that's a very different thing than a fierce, big dangerous love and what that looks like. So I think faith, if we try to live it well as best we can, and some days the most dangerous thing we can do is to simply get out of bed. And other days, the most dangerous thing we can do is to sign up to go down to St. Francis Inn Monday at 3 p.m. Hint, we need three volunteers. (laughs) Or lead a small group. I don't know what it is. But I do know this, probably, probably, once a week, your life should feel like this. Probably. Make sure you have a parachute. Because when we can do that, folks, you know, reading a line here, what we're able to boldly say is, yes, I can love you. And able to boldly say as well, yes, I can bring, listen to this, yes, I can bring love here. Here. Can we say the here together? Yes, I can bring love here. here. That's courageous. That's Christ crucified. That's not about miracles. That's not about life all of a sudden making sense because it probably is never going to completely make sense. My brain's too small for it to make sense. I've seen some miracles, but I certainly don't see them every day. But what I know is I can constantly, constantly remind myself that I can bring love here. Always free to do that. What a miracle that is in so many ways. So we need to remember this, that all the good stuff comes from, all the good stuff comes from leaping. It does. Some of you are sitting right beside the biggest leap you ever took. (laughs) 
you know? And it does, you know, all the good stuff, it comes from leaping. But, but here's what I know, folks, and, and listen carefully, and then we're going to throw a picture up after I give you a description here. What I know is that if, that if I can embrace that my faith actually has to be dangerous, not like hockey player dangerous, which to me just says one word, concussion, but, but a different kind of dangerous where I'm willing to like take that step that has me a little terrified. That has me a little like, I don't know if I can do this. But you see, then I'm moving beyond this passive sort of like survey of God. God, are you going to show me a miracle? Are you going to show me it all makes sense? Are you going to show me the money? You know, into a very different place where where I kind of disengage from that. But in disengaging from that, I turn and I engage in a very different way. Because I'm engaging the danger of faith. And what I know is that a lot of that time, it can feel like I'm just up against the biggest giant in the world, and it can feel really intimidating. But what I know is that if I do it enough, I can smile, and it actually starts to feel good. It actually starts to look like this. You know, of course I'm going to get my butt kicked. That kid's much smaller than me. But I know that that's the place to live. So this week, remember, sometimes dangerous is good. If you're feeling that little piece of you that wants to live dangerously, do it. That's how we're closing this series, bold as we can. Know that it'll look different for all of us. Again, maybe for some of you, you've had a big argument with a spouse and living dangerously means you're willing to go back into the living room and have that conversation one more time, this time with a softer heart, this time willing to say, I can bring love here. Maybe it means other big things. Maybe it means a Syrian refugee crisis is weighing on your heart and you're thinking like, I need to do something. I got, I got a call from someone and, and he said, look, Chuck, we've got three rooms. What do we do? And I'm like, go for it. Live dangerously. See it. And know that I can bring love here. If you do go down to the St. Francis Inn on Monday, bring love there. Bring love here. Be dangerous. Yeah, I mean, this is big. This is big. I I think churches, you know, oftentimes don't like to talk about the danger of it all. It is dangerous. A church asks for your time. It asks for your heart. Yes, it even asks for your money. It asks for, 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 a, for a purpose. It asks for all these things. And, 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 and it's, it's within this hope that we can all learn to live dangerously so that we can start to maybe do our bit to, to bring more light into the world. That's what this is all about. And that's what we close on. Living dangerously, at least for a week. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to offer a prayer. You'll have a chance to say your own prayer, the Lord's Prayer as you know it, a moment of quiet reflection. And then Marcus is going to lead us in the last song. And and this is, we're going to practice the main lyrics. You will know. Could we all say that together? Can we say it one more time? Great. You're all trained to be part of the band now. 
So, you know, if you want to, if you feel called to stand up and sing along with this last song, please do. If you just want to sit and enjoy it, please do as well. And then remember that you will know, you'll know those places where you're being asked to step. And maybe this week we can do it. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here among us today. And Lord, help us in a way that makes sense to live dangerously as we are called to live that way. The right kind of danger, Lord. Not the danger of thrill-seeking or adrenaline rush, Lord, but the different kind of danger. The danger where we're willing to do this, to do this, to step out of ourselves and step closer to other. Allowing the words to be engraved in our heart, Lord, let me bring love here. Right here. The place that is most broken, the place that is most filled with pain, the, 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 the place where I see disaster, the place where my heart breaks, let me bring love here, Lord. Give me the courage to do that, please. Give me the courage to live that, please. Be with me, Lord, as I leap into that, please. And allow us to trust, Lord, that we will know. We will know those places where we are to jump. We will know those places where we are to step out. We will know those places where we are to make a difference. We will know those places where we are to bring love here. And a close, Lord. Deep gratitude for all you've brought. For all you've brought us, this small little congregation. Thank you. Bless our ways this week. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 